Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Hopi flutist Clark Tenekongwa offers a musical tribute to the sacred land called Bears Ears in a new album. As a tribal leader, he was among voices pushing for federal recognition of the area in southern Utah. That effort and the area's buttes, canyons, plants, and animals were inspirations for his songs. The recordings feature flute, drumming, and natural sounds, along with vocals in the Hopi language. We'll hear about those inspirations coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. As part of a larger effort to reckon with its historical ties to slavery and other atrocities, Harvard recently held an event looking at its legacy of mistreatment of indigenous people. The Mountain West News Bureau's Murphy Woodhouse reports. Dakota and Dene actor, comedian, and activist Dallas Goldtooth is well known for his role in the acclaimed series Reservation Dogs. He did not mince words in his keynote at the Responsibility and Repair Conference. Harvard's massive collection of Native American remains came up often. Y'all had the audacity to do a, a report, name a whole conference, Legacies of indigenous enslavement and denture, and you still got bodies in the buildings? Man, you guys are saucy. He says the work that led up to reservation dogs taught him about the power of collective action. Accountability is not an individual task necessarily when we're talking about social injustice and the harm perpetuated by institutions. It is a collective task that we as individuals take responsibility for. Institutions like Harvard cannot undo the harm of the past until it stops the harm that it is doing today. I'm Murphy Woodhouse. The fourth season of the show Native Shorts presented by Sundance Institute's Indigenous Films program, which airs on FNX TV, is now in production. KNBA's Jill Freitas has more. The show focuses on short Indigenous films from around the world. Bird Running Water, who is Mescalero Apache and Northern Cheyenne, is film curator and host. He has also worked with Sundance's Native American and Indigenous program for more than 20 years. Host Ariel Tweedo is a Nupiak. She connects with the everyday viewer asking questions that the audience might have about the film. Tweedo says they have a lengthy process to choose which episodes air on the show. I mean, we want a diverse array of films or genres, and so they'll find a horror, a romance, a like, comedy um, something very abstract, and so they they want to get films from like all over. From New Zealand to Australia to the Aleutian chain of Alaska, Indigenous filmmakers share stories of their cultures and ways of life. Tweedo says she notices a lot of differences from one continent to the next. Just to see how other people live or other points of living is, I think, really special. I've learned a lot just about different cultures from around the world, and so I think that's really cool and different ways of storytelling how someone in New Zealand tells a story a lot different than someone, say, from Finland. And just it's cool to see the diversity. Tweedo says Native Shorts is a great platform to showcase short films, when in the past it was only shown at film festivals. It's so cool that we get to showcase the short films because there's not really a platform for short films after festivals. So usually if it's not in a festival, it's just, I don't even know where it goes. So this is just a really cool opportunity for us to showcase all these amazing Indigenous filmmakers and actors and actresses. I've learned a lot just about different cultures from around the world. 
Production of Native Shorts Season 4 will wrap up on November 15th with a series premiere on November 30th on FNX. I'm Jill Freitas. The U.S. Senate Committee on Indian Affairs is holding a hearing on fentanyl and Native communities. Senators will hear from tribal leaders and Native health experts about its impacts and also learn about some tools being used to address the crisis. The hearing is taking place Wednesday in Washington, D.C. Wilma Mankiller is the newest addition to the Barbie Inspiring Women series. Barbie is recognizing the Cherokee Nation leader in advance of her birthday on November 18th. Mankiller was the first female principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. According to the Cherokee Nation, a special event to celebrate the release of the Barbie is being scheduled for a future date in Tahlequah. The doll is available for purchase online at the Mattel shop. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Support by Penguin Random House, publisher of Contenders by Tracy Sorrell, illustrated by Aragon Star, the story of John Mayers and Charles Bender, the first two native pro baseball players to face off in a World Series. This and other stories at prh.com slash stories of the land. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Hopi musician Clark Kenekongva pays homage to Bears Ears on his new album of the same name. It showcases the strong cultural ties to what is now a national monument with songs in the Hopi language accompanied by flute and drums. One of the instruments on the album is a replica of a Pueblo flute found in a 1930s archaeological excavation. It also features percussive sounds with clay pots, water gourds, yucca brushes, and other organic instruments. As vice chairman of the Hopi tribe, Tanakongva spent years advocating for federal protections of what we refer to as bear's ears. He continues to advocate for environmental protections for other areas that are culturally significant to the Hopi tribe. Clark Tanakongva joins us today to talk about his new album and catch up on his advocacy work. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can do so by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. I would also like to give a shout out to radio station KUYI there in Hopi country. Joining us now from the Hopi Reservation in Arizona is Clark Tenekongva. He is a recording artist and a former vice chairman of the Hopi tribe. Clark, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome back to Native America Calling. Thank you, and it's another beautiful day that the um, Creator gave all of us today, and um, it's certainly uh, a welcoming way of how you introduced uh, the, the new album that's here, and i really uh, thankful to Native America Calling, KUI, and other radio stations that actually promote Native music throughout the world here 
for everybody to enjoy. And so uh, I want to thank all the listeners that are here and, and you, Sean, and, and the the producer there also, you know, the group that's there in uh, Native America calling. Thank you. Well, you bet, Clark. Uh, appreciate those warm words for the show. And um, we got a lot to talk about today. Lots to talk about. But let's go ahead and start with this new album. Now, you previously recorded an album that was re- inspired by the Grand Canyon. What prompted this new project dedicated to Bears Ears? Well, it really wasn't my idea. Uh, to be honest with you, the two gentlemen that I record with, uh, Matt Nelson, who is the percussionist from Tucson, non-native, uh, Gary Strosos, who uh, resides up in uh, Seattle, uh, the, the primary player on this um, album, the flute player, um, they encouraged me to, um, of course, to try to come up with a name. I had my own name. But with their um, supervision, I would say, and their uh, knowledge on what I did and information, they said, you spent a lot of your time, four years or basically five years of your life, dedicating your life and why it's so important that it's only proper that you name this album Hon Mujer for Bears Ears. And so if you look at the cover uh, that's where I really wanted to go at one time uh, when I made the testimony before Congress and up in the hill on Capitol Hill. Uh, it's at a place called Perfect Kiva. It was one grueling trip that I took, but yet at the same time, I felt in myself, you know, I said, uh, I wanted to do this, I'm going to do this. And yet I accomplished that one task that I wanted to do, and so it's only proper that I did agree that uh, we should name the album Bears Ears or Hon which is one of the title tracks on the album. Well, Clark, let's go ahead and take a listen to this title track, Hon Can you introduce the song for us? Yes, it's, it's titled, um, again, Bears Ears or Hon uh, refers to the... The area there, it simply starts out, you know, from the north. I'm, I'm looking at myself standing here at the mesas, looking north, and from there, from the north side of the uh, world, as we always say, it's always uh, told to us that's where the color yellow comes from. So when the yellow clouds are starting to rise up, they turn into cumulus clouds and they stack on top of one another, and then slowly they started making their movements throughout the four directions. And when they come throughout the four directions, they're being, bringing their moisture, rain, the thunder and lightning that comes along with that. And after the rainstorm, there's uh, puddles of, of, of water throughout the land. It looks very scenic, very beautiful. And when sitting on top of the mesas, the females and the males are... Uh, thanking the rainstorms that have come in their form of saying, Asquali, Guakwa, this is what they're saying. And then the rest of it's just harmonized songs. But um, most of the songs that I have done here on this album are not in the form of, like, say, a social dance song or very ceremonial song, but maybe I would say more harmonized songs that I have done uh, that is very kind of different from other albums that I have recorded. 
and that is to accompany or to have the flute join in in this album that which I wanted to do uh, very early on in my re recording career with uh, Canyon and then now independently with the two gentlemen that I mentioned here. So everything that I've done the last, uh, well, like say the seven years have been uh, solely on, on, on our own group that we do the promotion of our albums. All right. Clark, thank you so much for that intro. Let's take a listen. That was the song Honmuju off the album by the same name by our guest today, Clark Tenakongva. Clark, this is just such a beautiful, beautiful song. Are those hummingbirds in the background? Uh, yes, and actually, um, unfortunately, it did the wrong track, but yet, you know, we'll, we'll play Honmuju later on, but this one is titled um, uh, Corn Tassels, uh, Talasi. Corn tassel, corn tassel. Yeah, We're sorry yeah, about the, that, Clark. Yeah, the, yeah. So, but anyway, you know, it, it's still um, part of the album, you know, and that's um, uh, it's, it's uh, number two on the album. It's called Itallasi. Corn tassels, Clark. You have such a unique sound. Uh, just where do you where do you get your where, where where does the music come from? 
with you, Clark? Where, where does it first become inspired? Um, <laughs> it goes a long ways. Uh, as a child, growing up with um, a father who likes to really belt out those songs, you know, and uncles that uh, really encouraged me along the way is uh, part of the reasons why I sing the way I do. Uh, a lot of things that they told me, the various ways of how strong structures are made or the, the various ways of tones that you add to certain songs is where I still carry some of those traits. And so when I do these recordings, um, a lot of these, you know, it's just uh, now that this is my sixth recording, I sometimes listen to myself and then listen to other non-Native artists of how they're singing, even to gospel singers, and how they structure their their vocals is sometimes what I utilize as trying to make it so that it's still Hopi, but yet a little bit of uh, the modernistic uh, mix into it. Well, you have a fabulous sound, and um, so many, so many Hopi men sing uh, in the Pueblo villages in New Mexico as well. So many men sing, but uh, you've taken it to the next level, the way you record your music, the way you introduce the different instrumentals and uh, other sounds. And we're going to talk a lot more with Clark, but we do have to take a short break. Phone lines are open, folks. Give us a call if you want to give a shout-out to Clark or you have a question or a comment. 1-800-996-2848. Israel is facing increasing international pressure over its ongoing military response to the October 7th attack by Hamas. Many Native American activists are also critical of Israel, drawing parallels to the historical oppression of tribes in this country. We'll look at the Israeli-Hamas war from a Native perspective on the next Native America Calling. The Association on American Indian Affairs welcomes all to Tribal Museums Day, December 2nd through the 10th. Tribal museums may offer no-cost or reduced admission, art markets, and cultural demonstrations. Tribal Museums Day honors Native nations as the experts of their diverse cultures. A map of tribal museums and more is available at Indian-Affairs.org slash Tribal Museums Day. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this show. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. We're talking with Clark Tenekongva about his new album, Honmuju, and its homage to Bears Ears Monument. If you have a comment or question for Clark, call us, 1-800-996-2848. And always a reminder that you can listen back to this show and all past Native America Calling shows on major podcast platforms like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Let's go to the phones now. Chanupa, who is listening on Keeley up in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. Hello, Chanupa. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for allowing me to come on again, Sean. You know, Clark, I wanted to give you a shout-out, and I hope we can get more Native artists involved in music making. I did a track for David Montour of the group called Clandestine that is down south, and then I also did a track for um, Savage Family, a native rap contemporary group. 
and plug if you can. From the heart, I give you a great shout out of happiness. But this little um little trio that I gave David Montour, and I didn't know if they recorded it yet, but it went like this. That tune I, I did for David Montour and them of Clandestine, and I don't know if they recorded it because they were going to use that in one of their upcoming projects, so... That, I give you a shout-out in that song. That that was my own composed melody that I did for them. And I'm a self-taught uh, guitarist, and I used to play in a band called The Electric Warriors here on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. So from Pine Ridge, I want to say thank you for being on the show, Clark, and I hope one day you might come down to Pine Ridge and put on a demonstration, and I'd help you do what I can to contribute to you. And thank you, Sean, for allowing me to come on today. Wopila, ha-ho! Well, thank you, Chanupa. Good call. And uh, Clark, it sounds like you've got an invitation to go up there to Pine Ridge, South Dakota. You want to respond to Chanupa? Uh, first of all, thank you. And uh, yes, you know, my uh, my time is open to those kind of invitations nowadays that, you know, I got a little bit more free time on my hands. You know, I, I no longer work for anybody except myself. You know, I'm retired and stay at home and do my farming, ranching, artistry, and and so forth, you know, and involved in our ceremonial um, cycles out here now more than ever, you know, for the last, I just thought about it recently. and But, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to that, and, and thank you for the shout-out from uh, up there way up north. Clark, let's take another call. Matt Nelson, and I know this is someone you know well. He uh, appears on your new album. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm great, Sean. Thanks so much for having me on. And Clark, congratulations. It's so nice to hear this music being shared with so many listeners. Thank you. Well, Matt, tell us how you and Clark got connected. Uh, so I've been listening to uh, native music, first of all. Uh, so I grew up in um, Paiuhanadu, uh, what uh, people call Owens Valley of California, kind of east side of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, um, Owens Valley, Paiute country. And so, uh, you know, I kind of grew up listening to Native music, surrounded by Native culture, uh, and then ended up moving to Tucson, Arizona in the 90s uh, and got heavily involved in indigenous music projects. I host a radio show here in Tucson on KXCI, a local community radio station. So I was just a fan of Clark's music. Um, I knew a lot about Hopi culture from what I had read and had visited Hopi a few times, but I was kind of surprised to learn that with as many singers as there were uh, on the Hopi mesas, there was only one who was recording music and sharing it with the world. So I immediately had a, a lot of respect for him. I uh, met him at a, at a music, um, uh, like a performance uh, festival in Albuquerque, actually, Global Kirky, I think it was. He was performing there. I got to introduce him on stage. Uh, and then a number of opportunities came up in our lives to kind of keep bringing us back together over and over again. Mm -hmm. And Clark, when did you know that Matt was somebody you wanted to collaborate with? Uh, when they brought the flute out. <laughs> this was probably around <laughs> 2013. Um, it was Gary who had the question of um, the origination of the flute, you know, which you hear on the a lot of the songs. And so he knew Matt. I had no idea who Gary was. And so 
they came and of course they played and that was the first time I ever heard any kind of flute of that nature and it just totally it just totally um, you know it just took my heart you would say being that I know that sound comes from here from Hopi it is Hopi maybe it's not Hopi made but the flute is very distinct and very comforting it's got this deep uh, deep deep sounds that you're not going to hear from a northern flute or you know a flute from the plains that's made through different types of wood cedar and other products but this flute was something else and so when they played it then I had the opportunity to bring them home uh, Gary and Matt also played for my family up on the base. I remember that at the um, family home up there. There was people that were peeping in through the window, and, of course, we invited them in and so forth. And from that point on, it just, you know, um, went on into various directions. We eventually ended up having the opportunity to record at the Grand Canyon Watchtower in 2016, which is the title of that album. And that's the name we use today is the Unktipka Trio. And Unktipka means the Grand Canyon in the third Mesa version of what we uh, Hopi knows it as Salt Canyon. But um, that's how I got to meet these two gentlemen. Um, I had no idea Gary was from Seattle. I knew Matt you know, resided down in Tucson. But uh, their ideas have taken me in various directions. Since that time, you know, although I was already performing a lot of times on the stages up through the um, the uh, being uh, promoted by Canyon Records prior to the recording of these last two albums, Clark, this this flute, this special flute that that inspired you to to record um, with Matt, is this the replica of that flute that was discovered at Bears Ears in the 1930s? Uh, it was discovered uh, south of Bears Ears in what they call the Lukachukai Chushka Mountain area um, by family that ex- excavated there. And um, there's actually three of them, uh, two of them that were intact, one that was kind of in pieces. But later on, they went and uh, donated it to the University of Arizona Museum. So that's where they're at. And um, that part of the story, how... Um, Gary ended up getting the replicas made is, you know, his story. But I'm assuming if he was to blow into those other two flutes that are there, they would sound the same way. Mm -hmm. And they're made of uh, elder, box elder, I think, elder wood, something like that. That's that's supposed to be pretty soft kind of wood that they make. And when they were discovered there, there is no such wood in that region. So it was, you know, throughout the journey of what I would say, some of the Hopi clans that went through there, they left that there for a purpose. And upon my research and asking others out here, there's reasons why they left the flutes there. But um, as you can see in pictures of from the 20s and 30s that were taken out here of some of the ceremonies, you'll see the same flutes that are on display down in University of Arizona that the uh, that were being utilized in ceremonies out here today that are Hopi. Fascinating. Just fascinating, Clark. Let's take another caller. 
Andres, who is listening on KUNM in Taos, New Mexico. Hello, Andres. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Thank you. A uh, little under the weather, but I'm getting better now. Uh wanted to, ask, first of all, thank Clark for his opening uh, comments on... Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We Hello? can hear you, Andres. We yeah. can hear you, Andres. Okay, okay. Yeah, the radio's, uh, you know, how it's delayed. Anyway, uh, just thank him for acknowledging the great creator and his opening comments. And uh, something, yeah, when I heard the, that flute, it just like sounds totally different than what I've ever heard. So I just wanted to uh, account. And maybe he already commented a little bit on, uh, you know, how where it was found and what kind of wood and, and that kind of uh, comments. And then see what other kind of, art he does and you see online or where we can view his work or whatever and and just elaborate a little bit on that and absolutely thank you andres thank you for calling in clark uh you're an artist in addition to being a singer uh tell us more about your artwork well you know i i started young um on paper and canvas and so i do uh, currently, I do a lot of uh, watercolor, uh, pencil drawings, uh, uh, the new new types of uh, <laughs> uh, paints that have been introduced lately. I've been using those, uh, put put some of my uh, artwork down, and then uh, then in probably about the 80s, I started getting into wood carving. So that's what I've been doing a lot, uh, was attending the Santa Fe Indian Market up until I got into uh, politics for a while, left that. So I haven't been going there. Same thing with the Hurt Museum, and then going throughout the United States at various shows. I do uh, the dog carving, which I haven't done for a while. But you know, I'm will probably get engaged back into it. You know, once the the uh, my mind and heart is there. You know, it takes a uh, some commitment from yourself, right, as an artist, to get some stuff done. You know, put down on paper or on a piece of wood or whatever you're going to do. But that's the kind of art that I do other than the singing. You know, again, I, it was just by, uh, I guess, the creator's um, blessing that I ended up uh, recording. You know, it wasn't really something that I had in mind. But today, you know, I look at it in a different way. Having that opportunity not only to record with Matt and Gary, but with other, you know, uh, really people that are well-known, and one of the most well-known person that I will say that, you know, I had that opportunity to perform with, which I don't think many people do that, is uh, Yo-Yo Ma in Grand Canyon uh, in 2021. And it was right about this time, November 10th, is when I did that at the Watchtower with them. And then also with the uh, symphony, the orchestra, that uh, I'll, I'll credit Trevor Reed for doing something like that for me. And um, I sang with them, and they performed with the, the strings and both with the wind instruments. And and that's where it really made me think, you know, why am I performing with uh, non-native instruments when I could be doing it with instruments that properly belong to these songs? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Clark. Let's go ahead now and uh, let's listen to the song Han Muju, the title track. We tried to play it earlier, but we have it queued up now. Let's take a listen. Mm-hmm. 
That was the song Honmuju off the album by the same name by Clark Tenekongva. And uh, Clark, uh, sorry we got that wrong the first time out, but we, we've got a couple of minutes before we have to break it. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about the cultural importance of, of Bears Ears to the Hopi people. Well, you know, getting the consulting with uh, the proper people that are the some of the clan leaders out here and some of the elders that they said there's got to be something that we got to continue to protect because just the way America is moving, progressing in the way of everything from progress, you know, in the name of, of economy. And it's, we got to retain our history. And that's one of the more important areas or regions, the four corner regions, you know, like you've got Mesa Verde, Aztec, Chaco, and all that. That's all connected to that whole region. And that's the reason why Hopi, you know, the clan made it a point to to leave something very significant there with the name of Honmuru, with the bear clan that, that went and migrated through there, along with the flute clan and other various clans that went through there. We know as Hopi is that we were, along with the Pueblo and other Puebloan tribes, were the first group of people that went through there prior to the arrival of other Native Americans and then, of course, uh, the other groups that came through there uh, that helped, that, that sought refuge in that area with the Navajo tribe during the big roundup, 
not just the Hopi, but the other various tribes. But there's a real right. significant part to Hopi that we need. Clark, to we're going to have to take another break, but uh, stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. There is still time to join our conversation today with musician and former vice chair of the Hopi tribe, Clark Tenekongva. Call us, 1-800-996-2848. We've got another caller on the line, in fact, Gary, who is listening in Seattle, Washington. Hello, Gary. I understand that you have collaborated with Clark as well. Yes, I have. I am a flute player on the new record, and I want to thank you for having Clark on. He's a very special person, and I have been honored for most of my adult life to work with Native people with music, and I couldn't be prouder of the fact of that. And also, I want to thank Matt for introducing me to Clark and for Clark willing to bring me in and be part of his family. Well, Gary, appreciate that call. And, and Clark, uh, please respond to Gary. He's very grateful uh, to, be, to be able to work with you. Thank you, uh, Brother Gary. And, and it's always um, nice to hear your voice. And um, it's certainly been a long, short journey that we've been on together. But yet, you know, it feels like we've been brothers for a long time, you know, getting to know each other and, and such and the understanding the relationship that we have bonded together and come up with some of the uh, songs that, that what I wanted to do a long time ago have now come to fruition. And I really thank both of you for giving me the guidance and some of the, uh, you know, the, the, the pointers on how you do certain things in music because I'm not a musician in any way. I'm just a simple old guy, just sings and composes songs. <laughs> I think you're being modest there, Clark, just a simple guy who sings and composes songs, but uh, boy, you're, you're doing it right, that's for sure. And in addition to the flute, Clark, what, what are some of the other instruments that we hear on this album? Uh, the last one you heard was, uh, of course, you know, you had the, the rattle, the normal rattle shakers that I play, and then the, um, the gourd, and with the rasper, with the uh, the, uh, the bone uh, of the, uh, the deer, which we use, or, or a, a, any kind of animal, the shoulder bone is what we use as far as rasping and the hoof, deer hooves, and, and of course, uh, the, the yucca brush that what uh, Matt used. The water boards or the water drums, which I hope you will play a little later on, that, that's really something else that's coming off the, uh, what we call ocean, ocean blues. And um, a lot of the recommendations that I did on the mixing was uh, I just wanted some something that's really relates to to what I know. And uh, as a farmer, uh, a lot of times, you know, you go out early in the morning, 
and you look at your field, and it's at that time the growth of season when the corn plants are, you know, have gotten to the height of where they tassel. And if you look at the early glow of it, 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 it just gives off a real deep yellow glow, and that's why it's called, you know, the corn ta- yellow corn tassels, you know, and, and I, as I, as a farmer, you go out there early and you hear the birds chirping, you hear the various uh, uh, birds are out there uh, hanging around, chasing each other, and that's where the idea came from of the, the hummingbirds and the yellow finches, the finch birds that are chasing each other around happily throughout the, the cornfield, you know. So uh, a lot of things are personal that I experience, and that's how Hopi songs are made. You know, you don't just look at a songbook and, oh, okay, I'm going to do this, but a lot of it is from, uh, related to nature and how life of Hopi is. Clark, you mentioned uh, the song Ocean Blues. We've got time to play that. Uh, help and introduce this song. What do you want people to understand about it? Okay, uh, this, it talks about the... Um, the clouds, again, coming from the shores of the ocean, rising and then coming over here. And what they're bringing is an abundance of new life, a new life that was a new beginning for everybody. And when the rainstorms come, sometimes you see today you've got toxic rains, you've got um, just the, the different things, the elements that we're, we're dealing with, you know, you I mentioned earlier on in the break, I mean, I heard on the break earlier about the war that's going on in Israel and area. Those are things that the rains and nature do is supposed to wash away those bad feelings, the bad vibes, and so forth, the, the, the unhealthiness of how life is today here in this world. And that's what these clouds are bringing from the ocean. And so what I told Gary and Matt when we were doing this song is that, um, how would it be if we put the mixture of, like, say, uh, waves and also, um, like, the sounds of the whales, which, you know, we know that live in the ocean, to give them that recognition so that they will also survive. So that's where this sound comes from. But it's, it's very eerie. <laughs> I'm going to say that. <laughs> okay. But if you're a Hopi, you're going to recognize what I'm trying to accomplish in this song. All right, so Hopi listeners, this song's coming to you. Ocean Blues, let's hear it. Oh, my word, oh. 
That was the song Ocean Blues by Clark Enekongva. And let's take another caller. We've got James listening on KWSO in Warm Springs, Oregon. Welcome to the show, James. Hey, hello. Uh, thanks again for taking my call. This is uh, James Edmund Greeley. I just wanted to give Clark a shout out and thank him for taking care of the Hopi people down there in Hopi land. And um, my mom was uh, Hopi on my mom's side. She passed in. 2001, she was from the Sun Forehead Clan, and I'm from the Greasewood Clan, and I've been doing uh, some native flutes and uh, bone whistles for about 25 years, and I don't go and visit um, Hope Villa very often, too, Third Mesa, and I uh, hope to uh, maybe contact you when I come down that way uh, next spring, coming up 2024, and maybe share some music with each other. James, thanks for calling in. I think you've been on the show before, haven't you, James? Uh, it's been a while. Okay, yeah, you sound familiar. Uh, Clark, uh, you got some uh, relations, it sounds like, up there in Warm Springs. Hope you relations. Yeah, 
Yes, you know we're 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 kind of spreading out, you know, going back along uh, along the migration routes so globally, going back throughout the world. So I'm glad that he's doing well up there in uh, Oregon, you know. So uh, take care. Absolutely, Clark. Uh, we're starting to wind down the show, but there's other things I, I want to ask you about. And specifically, I know you produced a short film that just won an Emmy, and it's called Protecting Chaco's Ten Mile Zone. What can you tell us about that film? Uh, it, it it basically tells about why the importance of Chaco needs to be protected, and of course, you know, it's it's surrounded by uh, a lot of other tribal members that uh, look at it in a different way. But for us Puebloans, you know, it's it's another significant part of our migration journey of uh, what we call Yupuevi, which is Chaco, and other tribal members that have done it. So we got together with other. Uh, governors and leaders from there, from New Mexico, and produced that film. And I got the opportunity to be asked out there, so I, I did my short part about it, you know, letting the people know why it's important that we need to keep that place protected because it's one of the World Heritage Centers out there as being visited by non-natives and other people that make that uh, pilgrimage out there every year. And um, I, I really don't know much about the Emmy itself. I just got a message on it, but yet... You know, I'm I'm uh, thankful to Paul Reed and others that produced that film, actually. Uh, and so, um, again, you know, it's, it's giving some notice to the world that, you know, uh, the world doesn't spin around oil itself. Mm-hmm. Other people, too. But, you know, but we need to start looking at protecting the land, Mother Nature, as far as Hopis are known to be the stewards of the land. And that's the reason why. I am very engaged into environmental aspects of what we do here today. Although, you know, the the way economics go today, you know, it's it's about money, oil, and what minerals come from extracting and depleting what's more left here and contaminating the soil and the water and, and, and so forth. Well, Clark, congratulations again on that Emmy. We've got time for one more call, Clifford who is listening in Hopi on KUYI. Hello, Clifford. Hello there, John. Hello, Clark. Dunha. I just want to thank you, Clark uh, Dunha. Dunha. Dunha is Clark's Hopi name. It's the smut from the corn plant. Very good, very good name. But I wish everyone could understand Hopi. The songs, the words, the meaning... It's so beautiful. I just, uh, I enjoy listening to him. I've got several of his uh, tapes, but Clark's father, Samuel, uh, when I was in grade school, he used to sing every year at uh, some of the programs that would that we would have. But he was a great singer, really. I, I you know, I thought maybe he wasn't Hopi. I thought maybe he was Italian or something because <laughs> he could get it up there. And that guy could speak. But I want to thank everyone. I want to thank everyone, and especially KUII and uh, Native American Calling, for having Clark, uh, my fellow Hopi, on the show. Clifford, we sure appreciate that call. And, and Clark, uh, we've got about a minute before we got to wrap up, but go ahead and respond. It sounds like just singing and songwriting, it's just in your blood. It is. You know, it, it comes from my father's side. A lot of them were very um, good composers, his nephews and his uh other brother named Hugh and Lloyd and and uh, of course uh, Harry out in uh, Ivy. 
but they were very instrumental in, in my upbringing up coming up and so all same way with my uncles but um of course you know you got to credit somebody and so i would really want to make a shout out to um the the studios that that did this new album for us which is the um uh the saint uh cecilia studios down in um down in tucson with uh steve steven that helped produce this album and uh, my two brothers, Matt and Gary, who can't, you know, without them, I can't do anything. And new, lately, you know, there's been a lot of questions as far as, you know, of, of any natives also joining me. Yes, you know, I've had, because uh, he can play the same kind of flute as Gary does. His name is Marlon Magdalena out from Hamas, Pueblo. Mm. He's joined me in a couple of sessions. And so with him, Matt and I, the latest trip we did was in January when we flew across the waters and made the presentation of Hopi over in Dubai. Well, Clark, we're going to be uh, waiting, waiting eagerly for, for more future collaborations from you and other artists, native artists, non-native artists as well. But unfortunately we have reached the end of our hour. So Clark, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the new album Hon Mujo is available on Spotify, iTunes, Apple music, YouTube, as well as CD. Tune in to NAC again tomorrow as we take a look at the Israel-Hamas conflict from a Native perspective. Hope you'll join us. Support by Vision Maker Media, envisioning a world changed and healed by understanding Native stories and the public conversations they generate. 45-plus years of Native stories and Indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org. Lakota-made indigenous first medicines and eco-friendly personal care products are small batch prepared in the Lakota traditions using sustainably harvested natural and organic ingredients and all can be found at lakotamade.com who support this show. Good day. Protect your health and wellness. Help your family and community stay healthy by making sure you and your loved ones are up to date on vaccines. RSV, seasonal flu, and COVID-19 booster vaccines are available now. For more information on vaccines, contact your Indian health care provider or visit vaccines.gov. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico, by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.